Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Dinner with Do. We will show you to your table now, so sit back with us and enjoy the show. Um, <laughs> it has been a minute since we recorded because we've been too busy going to concerts. Guys. Shocker. <laughs> Maybe we'll cover in dessert, at least a little snippet, but we have had a week. <laughs> we've been going through it, y'all. I'm not even, we don't even need to tell them what we did. Let's not tell them. We'll save it. Well, we keep telling them in the other episodes, but we're not. Oh, my God, Mark. Sorry, guys. My cats. Once again, they're always on the podcast. <laughs> also, <coughs> my voice is not well. Uh, because because we were um, screaming at people. We were screaming at <laughs> Korean boys. Um, so I'm going to let Alyssa do the appetizer because this can be its own podcast. It probably could. Because apparently. Um, There's five million and one. And, yeah, apparently in like May, people decided they wanted to get pregnant over in Korea. So there's lots of February birthdays. All right, guys. So the main topic, though, that we're going to be covering in this episode is called um, the culture of K-pop. And there's probably going to be a couple different segments of this one. But this one is basically like introduction of k-pop to america um and like how that culture has changed over time like how people have thought about k-pop in america so um we're gonna dive into that in just a second but our appetizer is gonna be the february birthdays like lauren said <laughs> um first we have got our favorite split them up <laughs> our favorite oh yes <laughs> mr do young charles MCG. himself charlie <laughs> He was born February 1st. Of course, the first day of February had to be for Duyong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 1996. And then... He's younger than me. Just a year. Fuck but really, his in Korea, he's the same age as you, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, okay, we're good. It's fine. No cougar stuff. And then stuff. we got Jiho from Twice. Um, 2-1 of 97. We did not go see them. We could have gone to see them a couple nights ago. Oh, no. Sad. They were just so expensive. It was so... I had two tickets in my cart, and um, I I couldn't get them. I just... Hold on. Raven just texted me and said, Soho is sleeping, so I can't do voice only on the (laughs) V-Live. That's hilarious. All their roomies. So cute. (laughs) Anyway, there's another J-Ho from Weekly. She was born the same day. I love Weekly. (laughs) Two, one, and 97. And then we've got G-Bomb from Golden Child. Yes. 2-3 of 99. Oh, my God. We've got Q-Hun of Super Junior. Q-Hun. 2-3 of 88. Yes, baby. S-88, baby. Yes. Then we've got Jungmo of Cravity. Love Cravity. He was 2-5 of 2000. Baby. <laughs> oh, this is good. looks worse. Jisung of NCT, 2-5-2002. Oh, my God, it hurts. Oh, my God. Him and Taehyung are the same age. Taehyung from TXT, 2-5-2002. The same day. Terry is... Terry and Jisung are the same age. Terry is 20. What? Terry. <laughs> All right. Ian of Stray Kids, 2-8-2001. Um, Our baby Maknae. Yep. That's all the Magnets. Yep. Other no. Ties. Then we've got So Ah of Brave Girls. Two yes. nine of eighty eight. Oh my god. That's my favorite girl group. She's older than me. Yep. By like a couple months. Couple months. Then we've got Jung Wan of an hyphen. Oh. Two nine of oh oh four. Oh no. That is disgusting. <laughs> Love you, Jung Wan. But You're too young. 
she's too young for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we got Johnny from NCT. Johnny. Our stoner boy. But jo- not actually. But not really. <laughs> Joff fam. He just acts like it. It's 2-9 of 95. Got a 95 around the house. Yes. And then we've got Hong Jeng of um, Super Junior. 2-9 of 84. Lots of 2-9 babies. That's Sis's birthday. Yep. All right. Move on to our second page of birthdays. <laughs> Sulgi from Red Velvet. 210 of 94. I still have beef with her. Yeah. It's the same. Taeyong touched her. I don't, and I don't like that. Alright, then Rose of Blackpink. 211 97. Then we've got Dayol from Golden Child. 211 93. Dino okay. from 17. Love Dino. 211 99. God. Then we've got Dayon of We I. Um, two eleven ninety seven. Oh, Jay out of NCT. Oh, yep, of course, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, baby, yeah. Two fourteen of ninety seven. Then we've got Ravi from Vix. It is two fifteen of ninety three. Then we've got Young He of six. <laughs> it just showed Young He's face from six right when you said that on That's the TV. Hilarious. That is so funny. Two seventeen of two thousand. It they literally love just to play showed six him on the countdown, like. That's so weird. It literally just showed his face. That is freaking hilarious. He's like, here I am, baby. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got J-Hope from BTS to 18 of 94. DK from 17. Oh, Lord. Two crack heads back to 18 back. of 97. <laughs> <laughs> got Vernon from 17 as well to 18 of 98. So they were born on the same day, just a different year. They're V-Lob together. Mm, it was so cute. It was so I cute. I love to share a birthday. Me too. Then we've got Jungwoo, which is the day after, two nineteen of ninety nine. Oh, I love Jungwoo. No, ninety eight. Sorry, guys. <laughs> then we've got Solar from Mama Moo. Love her. Love Solar. Two twenty one ninety one. And then Wendy from Red Velvet. Two twenty one of ninety four. Dong Hyun. I think I already did him. Dong Hyun from Dong. I think I already you did, did Dong Hee. Dong. Anyway, I'll just say it again. <laughs> As Dong Hyun from Golden Child, 223 of 99. Kevin from The Boys. We love Kevin. Also 223, but 98. Then we've got Rocky from Astro, 22599. Oh, God. Then we've got Woo Sung. <laughs> Woo Sung himself. Guys, we're going to see Woo Sung. Not well. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're not going to camp about that. out so we can see him front row. <laughs> we camped out yesterday for our concert. Yeah. And we camped out twice for concerts this week. Yeah. We're going to camp out for Woosung. That's why we hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, we are not well. <laughs> so Woosung was born 225-93. Then we've got Seung Hyun from 6. There two- he is. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Literally keeps showing the one she's saying. 226-99. And then 10 from NCT. 227. Today's his birthday. Yeah, today's his birthday. I was just looking at that. Happy birthday, 10. Yeah, of 96. Then we've got Dong Hyun from Ace. 228 of 93. And the last one, Yang from SF9. 228 of 97. Of course, Yang is the <sighs> leap year baby. Yes. Um, so I just want you to know that we're eight minutes into the podcast and still doing February it's just birth- all birthdays. <laughs> That's why I only did one advertiser, guys. People were getting freaky in Korea. Back to recording. Sorry, we had to break and talk about something, but we also just saw this 
Okay, we're not making fun of it. We're not. But it's funny. I'm sure they're great. <laughs> I wasn't expecting Alyssa to say this, but Roger and the Countdown, she's like, their name's Girls in the Park? <laughs> Why? Girls in the Park. I need an explanation. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to know. Alright, guys. We're going to get into it. We're going to break this down. Uh, <clears throat> this was a couple different research articles that I found and just kind of throwing things together and we'll also put in our own opinions but this is kind of a general like timeline of how k-pop was introduced to america and kind of how the public felt about it at that time because it was it was definitely if anybody knows k-pop it's not very widely accepted in america until up to very recently um it's just a lot of things people didn't understand or know about the industry so still don't yeah (laughs) so here we go let's see so some quick points to start out um the first strongholds of k-pop um in america were los angeles and new york of course those are like i feel like the main hubs not the south yeah (laughs) get off the microphone bro (laughs) those are kind of the main hubs of where like a lot of Korean immigrants moved to, I guess. So that's kind of where it was more widely accepted. It's time for Meatball's <coughs> appearance. Meatball. This is a no. Okay. Every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but it's in my spot. Oh, we uh, did it anyways. If you lay behind it, you're fine. Bro, get down. Okay. Just don't. He's like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> is it still charging? It's- Still going. Okay, okay. Okay, and also, uh, just in general, it was kind of a long and bumpy ride, but K-pop in America really isn't, like, niche anymore. Like, it's not... People know what it is when you talk about it. (laughs) And we stopped recording again because I had to get chips because I eat chips in every episode. Yeah, And the cats are being assholes. Always. (laughs) Okay. You want to start with 2003? Yes. Who are these people in New York? Two thousand three. What a time to be alive! Oh, oh nice. the boys. We are so dumb. Okay. Um, I love this song. Okay, <laughs> so in two thousand three, it started out with the Korean Music Festival. It sold out its first multi-artist concert at the Hollywood Bowl. <gasps> Can you imagine going there? Right. And in two thousand six, YG Entertainment um, brought its biggest artist. Um, Seven and ITYM and younger boy bands like Big Bang. Yeah, to which Big Bang is the younger boy band. Isn't that hilarious? It's hilarious. <laughs> um, they were bang, bang, banging. Bang, bang, bang. bang. <laughs> <laughs> for three major U.S. shows. Um, let me just go here. Yeah, go for it. Wait a minute, but there's rain. Okay. <laughs> so 2006 and 2009, there was BOA, Rain, and Seven. Um, they're the soloists that started the trend in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, there's less groups, there's more solo artists. Yeah. Seven seemed to retreat after one of the English singles, Girls, and it had Lil' Kim in it. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Yes. Um, it was they really tried sim- to, like, incorporate by, like, getting with an American artist. Right. Yeah. So they released it in 2009. <laughs> um, BOA debuted at 13 years old. What? Yeah. That's how old Julia is. That's ridiculous. Can you? No. No. Um, They rose to the A-list status in South Korea and Japan. They settled in L.A. to promote their, um, or her English, I'm sorry, her English single, Eat You Up. Um, Pretty sure that name wasn't fly in Korea, so that's why she came to the U.S. to do that. 
2009 album made her the first K-pop singer on the Billboard 200, which that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, She starred in the U.S. movie Make Your Move in 2013. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. We need to watch that. Yeah, we should. Um, She did a lot of stuff, like, in the U.S. Yeah, so American activities didn't really turn out to be very fruitful for her, and she returned to South Korea where... She's still pretty successful to this day. I feel like there's a lot of BOA fans. Yeah, she just uh, debuted in that Girls on uh, Girls on Top. Right? I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Girls on Top. It's like yeah. the Super M. Yeah, kind of girl group. Yeah. But, I mean, she's definitely still very relevant in Korea. Yeah, so. well, look at Rain. Uh, I, mean, I mean, right. So, I'm going to let Alyssa talk about Rain. I'm Rain. <laughs> You're letting me talk about no, Rain? No, <laughs> I just take that back. All right, here we go. Rain achieved... <laughs> His highest U.S. profile of his era. So I'm obsessed with Rain and always have been. He was like my first soloist. He's the Opa of K-pop. He's you know? the Opa of K-pop. <laughs> um, he sold out two nights at Madison Square Garden in 06. Can Which you fucking so imagine that? As a K-pop artist to sell out Madison Square Garden twice, like that's like BTS status. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he also starred in some movies in the 08, um, in the 2000s. He starred in Speed Racer in 08. And Ninja Assassin 09, I will be adding this to my library. (laughs) Um, And he was named by Time Magazine in 2006, one of the 100 100 most influential people. Um, He helped shape the world and he topped its online, they helped top their online readers poll in 2007 and 2011. Um, His U.S. career wasn't really taking off, it was pretty short. Um, he had a two-year mandatory military enlistment in October of 11. Can you imagine? Yeah. Rain in a military outfit. Well, that's, yeah. That's scary. That kind of like, well, they were saying it kind of like. That kind of stopped it. Yeah. yeah but it he to had halt. to leave, so it kind of lost momentum after that. Yeah. So. Um, so I'm going to let Alyssa take over, and we're going to move on to Girls' Generation. Yes. Alright, so this is kind of the 2009 to 2011 period. Um, Girls' Generation was one of the biggest bands at that time, um, and they're a group under SM Entertainment, if you guys don't know. <laughs> now you know. Yep. SM founder Lee Suman was, um, had kind of a long tradition of trying to globalize his idol's music, which... That's true. He still does. Now he's really great at that, but it was like, I feel like it was just a learning process. Like, now he's creating American groups. Yeah, and SM is very unique in that its label usually has pretty large K-pop groups on it. I mean, NCT has twenty-three members, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and that was definitely a hard sell for U.S. audiences. They didn't really understand why there were so many in the group. Like, because usually traditionally bands here in the U.S. are maybe five, six people at the most. If you don't know, go listen to our NCT episode. Right. So they couldn't understand, like, why there had to be that many people in a group. And they thought it was very hard to follow because, you know, us Americans. It is. We're simple. (laughs) It is hard to follow. Anyway, so Girl Generations, Girls Generations' third album, The Boys, its U.S. release was on October of 2011. Um, it went over well with promotion, but didn't chart on the Billboard 200. So that was kind of, they really, they tried to push it really hard, and it just kind of flopped. So that was really pretty much the end of their career in the U.S. 
After that, SM focused their energy in Asia for their next generation of K-pop stars. Um, EXO and Red Velvet being mm. two of them. Oh, two Red of, Velvet. Yeah, two of their biggest that happen? cells. I don't know. <laughs> Every time Melissa says a name, the person is on the countdown. Pops up Red, on the countdown. Vel- <laughs> Red Velvet's doing an input info right now. <laughs> yeah, EXO, EXO, EXO. Yeah. So definitely, I think, it, though, like, them not promoting EXO and Red Velvet in America was somewhat of a missed opportunity because EXO's albums, they started to chart on the Billboard 200s in 2012 without any promotion, like anything in the U.S. And two, EXO's albums were, two st- words. were still charting. I mean, Kai <laughs> and Becca. Kai and Becca. <laughs> we know. That's the tweet. But, like, seriously, though. That's crazy. It was just like he just totally gave up on promoting in the U.S. It was and guy like, groups. Guy groups always do better than girl still groups. Charted. Like, <laughs> it just goes to show how talented EXO is, though. Just saying, those girl groups were not Coco bopping. They were not Coco bopping. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were not dropping. They, they were not Cayenne dreads. Like. They were not <laughs> dropping. They weren't Coco bopping. God. Okay, so then we'll move on to 2009, 2012. Um, also, Wonder Girls was yeah. kind of a big group. Um, Girls Generation was still gaining popularity in South Korea. Wonder Girls, which has five members, um, they released an English version of their hit Nobody in 2009, and it charted actually number 79 on the Billboard 100. That's great. Yep. And it was actually the first South Korean group to do so, like to get that high in the like the 100 levels. Um, they also opened for the Jonas Brothers on tour one summer. <laughs> I saw the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. That's crazy. In, uh, 2010. I saw them in 09 or 08. Yeah. That, they went uh, on, after that, they went on a North American tour. Oh, God, it's NCT. No. Uh-uh. It's Dream. It's Dream. Let's see why you're dreaming. Oh my god. Okay, we gotta we gotta stop getting distracted. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. changing the countdown. This is bullshit. <laughs> so they went on a North American tour in 2010 and released um, a few new English singles, which did gain some popularity. Um, their 2012 album was shelved due to the leader getting married and the group all went on a hiatus. That's cool though. Yeah. So they had tried to reboot in 2015, but pretty much focused their efforts in South Korea um, for the next two years before disbanding. So they're not a band anymore. Um, But they definitely, I think just a couple things went a different way and they decided it was best to stop promotions. So happens sometimes, happens sometimes. Yeah. You want to talk about Psy? Of course I do. (laughs) I love Psy. So Psy was a big deal in the U.S. Like, I feel like that was really the start of, like, people, uh, like, starting to want to understand Korean music. When I was married to my douchebag (laughs) ex-husband, we played Gangnam Style at our wedding, and people went fucking insane. (laughs) So 2012, Psy's Gangnam Style. Um, Some people see the song as, like, a novelty, but it was pretty significant for paving the way for K-pop in the U.S., um... I think a lot of people took it as a joke. Yeah. I took it as a joke back then, but I didn't know K-pop back then. But it also, like, it was. It was very satire for 
Korean music in general. Oh, for like, sure. Like, he wanted it to be flashy and flamboyant and just as crazy as it could be. Right. Because he wanted to get noticed. Well, he did. And I feel like that opens you up to being like, okay, so this is Korean music. Let me go see what else there is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And he, um, most Western people were completely unfamiliar with the term K-pop before Psy. Yeah. Um, so by 2013, Gangnam Style had... Opened up South Korean music along with the food and style, K-dramas, all yeah. the culture stuff. I think he started a conversation. He did. That, like, other people could piggyback off of. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, because Gangnam is the fashion district in Seoul. Yeah. So that kind of, people were like, oh, what's Gangnam mean? You know? Yeah. Um, so people who didn't even know anything that South Korea had a successful entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, and it was going strong well before people knew about it. It's true. Um, so... The video was a satire, and it did make um, make fun of the rich Gangnam neighborhood and its people. Um, the music video was the first YouTube video to be viewed at 1 billion, then 2 billion times, and then on November 2nd in the Hot 100 in 2012. So, when I think about YouTube videos, and I've told you this. Yeah. YouTube videos with the most views, I always say. Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. It held the record for Despacito. such a long time. Yeah, it really like, did. Gangnam Style, Despacito, and Dynamite are like yeah. the three. But yeah. the, those songs are all, yeah. you know, they're mind-blowing videos. Yeah. The views is mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, I'll talk all about this one. So 2012 to 2019, KCON. Hey, Which Con. you guys, we still haven't got to do because they keep postponing we want it. To go so bad. I know. Um, K-pop tours and fashion. So KCON is a three-day global K-pop conference with multi-group concerts. Yeah. Um, it is hosted. It hosted its first event in LA in 2012. So it had 20,000 people in attendance. That is a quarter of the people that went to BTS. Think about that. Holy crap! A quarter. That's insane. Um, so by 2014, it had grown to 42,000 attendees, which is less than 10% of people who were Korean. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, YG Entertainment's 2NE1 became the first K-pop girl group to stage solo U.S. shows while Big Bang undertook a world arena tour. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, they said that Big Bang's tour was literally so popular that dates were added in L.A., Jersey, and London. Wow. Which, yeah, that's a big deal. 2013, um, a dozen idol groups played their own theater shows outside of Asia. So we just saw some theater group, uh, theater shows this week, and they were such a cool experience. Yeah, so intimate. It, it was, was just. I had my YN moment. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, in 2019, two dozen undertook extended tours. Um, there was so much styling and like the EDM pop like sounds. They carried out the attention of the Western music media because EDM and, you know, stuff like that has always been bigger overseas yeah. than it was here. And they here. had just never seen it done the way it was done with right. K-pop groups. Like, I feel like it was a fascination of, like, yeah, this is EDM pop, but it's just right. so different. Well, over there, they didn't do, I mean, like, over in Europe, they didn't do, like, costume changes and stage changes. So, yeah. like, when K-pop came in, they had their costumes and stages and... Um, it caught all the media's attention because... The production level was just at 100. Yeah. Like... So now it's a tradition. Yeah. And they really... People in K-pop are known for their fashion. Like, it, it also helped K-pop groups be introduced to older 
more variety of audiences because it was yeah. kind of eye-catching. I mean, I feel like fashion is also a universal language like music is. People, yeah. sorry, it's different everywhere, you yeah. know. I mean, like, so many places are ahead. K-pop is ahead in music by years compared to the United States. I mean. Yeah. Um, Just how fast they release it, too. Like, it, it's insane. And it's still amazing products. NCT is busting out albums, no like, No matter how quickly it's released, they're still good. Quarterly. Yeah, like. Like, what the hell? Insane. Like, we had Sticker, Favorite, Catharsis. We had Universe. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised Wavy hasn't put any... Oh, we had Dream, had a shitload of stuff. I'm surprised that Wavy hasn't dropped anything yet. Well, we say we that. We're speaking into existence. Baby gets back. I know, right? <laughs> and win-win. Um, so then, G-Dragon had his partnership with Chanel in 2013, so that helped to shift idols into the world of international luxury brands mm-hmm. um which they also model for and are collaborators so mm-hmm. if any of you guys don't know a lot about k-pop and you're just listening to this channel because you like it um every idol wears designer clothing <laughs> pretty much and it's usually because they have collabs yeah usually they just get free stuff from just promotions right because but if also you, they have money so right they have money but it's funny because like if you really you know how humble idols are yeah. They're like, oh yeah, I got this at a resale like, shop. I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt, but also like it's Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> or they're like, I got this at a resale shop, or I got it at a tourist shop, yeah. or some, you know. Um, they always seem like they hate to spend money. I know, so right? So I bet all that stuff is free. <laughs> um, right. Um, so examples like Jackson Wang had Fendi, Blackpink did Celine, YSL, Dior, Chanel, BTS has done Dior, Louis Vuitton. Um, Many, many. Kai has done Gucci, Aespa did Givenchy, and it increased K-pop's global consumer influence and power. Um, God, when I think of idols, I literally think of fashion. I'm like, or if we see stuff, we're like, oh, our Gucci king, or like, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like like they have their favorites, which is interesting to see. And like when I went to the Louis Vuitton store a couple weeks ago in Atlanta, I actually walked in and they had the denim Louis stuff that Jungkook wore in Dynamite. And that was my first thought. I was like, oh, my God, I've seen idols wear that. Yeah. You know, and then we met a lady last night at the concert where we went to and her boots. I was like, oh, my God, your boots are Prada. They look like or they looked like Prada. She's like, I got them because they look like Jimin's. Yeah. Um, So this is going to move on to social media. All right. Let's see. So, 2010 to the present, really, it was kind of the rise of social media, which all of you, if you're an adult, you know, kind of, I mean, when I was a child, social media was not a thing. Like, it had just, like, buddingly started. AOL was the... Yeah, we did instant message, we did email, like, uh, there was, what's, what's the, it starts with an S. It was like a place where you could like talk to each other. God, I forget what it's called. I never had it. An S? Maybe. I'm trying to think. It's it was like before Facebook. MySpace? MySpace. That's what it is. I never had MySpace, but that was like really big back I did. when I was yeah. yeah, when I was a kid. But Beth, definitely, like, with the rise of Twitter and YouTube especially, um, in 2010, idols started to open personal Twitter accounts, and K-pop agencies began to, like, upload their content, have, like, an official Twitter so they could release 
different brand things that they do, different announcements, stuff like that. Um, and definitely they release all of their main content on their websites, but also on YouTube. Like when a music video drops, always drops on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, nobody looks at websites anymore. Right. <laughs> it's just a good place for everything to all be found in one spot. The good thing about websites are usually tour announcements. Yes. <clears throat> or merch. But a lot of like, you know, Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts, they release tour dates too. We like always first. know about tours first on Instagram yeah. or on Twitter. That's how we found one of us. Yep. Like we went, we saw. Oh my god, they really started. Oh my god, and we start shaking. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> anyway, um, so subtitles is another thing on YouTube that has been more recent thing in K-pop. That's uh, true. Online, yeah. So um, in the past, they really had to use fan translators were like essential. Like fans would go yeah. back, translate them, and put subtitles it. on. Yes, which helped kind of spread that through YouTube and expand. I'm gonna tell you some crazy ass K-pop shit in America. Some crazy ass shit. Yeah. It's when idols go live and they have live subtitles. Right. There's literally somebody working for the company. Yeah. Live subtitling those. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. That is insane. You gotta be so fast. Um. But yeah, so they basically translated everything from the music videos to behind the scenes to variety shows. Remember how long we watched Bang Tan Bombs without subtitles? I know, just just to watch it. <laughs> and that really, though, I think it allowed Westerners to like emotionally connect with the artists um, like they never had before. We've gotten like, to the point now, though, where we know so much yeah. Korean. We don't even watch stuff with subtitles. But even, even for people that, like my mom, she has a hard time reading subtitles sometimes. This is fast. She'll, yeah, she'll read it and she'll watch it, but she honestly, like, enjoys it more, like, when she doesn't have to. So, but I feel like if you can read the subtitles, you you know what they're saying, you can connect just a little bit more than you could before. No, I was just saying for us, yeah. we watch, find ourselves all the time not even watching subtitles, using subtitles. because it, yeah. For us, because we're so used to it, but right. just for, like, people in general, like, if they want to know what's going on, right. if that's, like, important to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> we can pick up on, like, cues and stuff like that right. that we're used to them talking about and their body language and stuff like that and figure out what's going on, but... It's just because we're, you know. Mark is enjoying this ride down the street in Korea. Look <laughs> at him. Mark loves it. <laughs> Mark, are you enjoying this ride down the road? Guys, everyone be thinking about poor Marky Mark. He had surgery the other day. Mark Lee, he's no longer a man. <laughs> he is a man. I mean, he is a man, but less of a man. <laughs> he just had to get neutered, guys. <laughs> Mark Lee, don't you get up there. <laughs> he's thinking about it. You're not supposed to jump, bro. <laughs> he's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> All right, so Twitter. Let's get on Twitter. I love this um, Twitter. It's definitely, like, the place where fans related to K-pop content kind of, like, changed. Like It's the first place I go when I want info. Yeah, and it was more of that quick media. So there's, you know, the hashtags, fan cams, voting campaigns, memes. That became really popular on Twitter. Yeah, like I will say it. I've said it a million times. <laughs> Twitter is the most universal social media language yeah. because it... It goes out to so many people at one yeah. time, and it reaches so many people. Yeah. Different time zones. Yeah. I mean, all social media does, but Twitter is just a gigantic It's a block. great platform for it, too. Like, its translations are really quick. Oh, my gosh. It's like, so fast. whoever created that program, like... It has really, links that work. Yeah. And they really, like, made it a focus. Like, even, like, like any language. 
they made it a really good focus to like back and forth so people could understand. You know what else I love about Twitter? Yeah. You can download photos in 4K. Exactly. If I want good quality photos, I'll always go on Twitter. Yeah. Look, there's the Sky Dome where BTS performed. And it says, um, just a fun fact, K-pop fans tweeted 6.7 billion tweets in 2020 alone. Just in 2020. Jesus. 6.7 billion. Like, that's how active people are on Twitter with K-pop. Um, so I guess kind of with all the online traction, Western media were very eager to kind of capitalize on it, which is something that they always do. Right. Um, so they had idols start appearing regularly across their main street media, magazines, new shows, late night shows, and that became more of a trend kind of just in the last 10, 12 years, really, that we've actually like seen them on like, you know, we love the... GQ and all the Vogue. Yeah, Vogue. Like Sport. all the cute little stuff they do. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so let's see. You wanna start this one? Which one? Down there. Right so there? Two main factors, yeah. Okay, so we're gonna talk about holy shit. <laughs> The two main factors that were stacked against K-pop um, breaking into the West. Yep. So the first one are the pop charts, which were predominantly white, not diversifying for at least a decade. Number two was the complexity of K-pop's configuration. Despite the sound and the look, it was hard for most people in America to grasp. Yeah, which we talked about. So, I think, yeah. I, to go back to the first one, though. I think um, even for any artist, like Hispanic, like really anything, mm -hmm. it was really hard to break into the charts. That's what I'm saying about Despacito. Yeah. That shit took, it was like. Yeah, it took over. Yeah, and it was like the same time as Gangnam Style, so it was like. Yeah. I think that's when the West decided that, hey, there's other music. <laughs> right. Um, so, let's start out with the BTS effect. Oh, yes. So. In 2016, really till present day, they redefined everything that Westerners knew about K-pop just from the way they communicate with their fans online yeah. to their in-depth visual storylines, their love, and their complex, often thoughts-provoking lyrics, which if you are an ARMY, we've talked about this before in our BTS episodes, that um, BTS's message is why most armies connect with them so much. Yeah. Which I feel like in the U.S. we don't really have messages. I mean, Taylor Swift's a good example. She has a yeah. good message. Yeah. Katy but Perry. But also she, like, she varies in what she wants to say. Right. So she doesn't always have a great message. Yeah. Some of her stuff is... Yeah. I mean, especially, like, the... What was it? Reputation. Yeah, the Reputation tour was more about revenge and, like, getting back at people, which... Exactly. <laughs> she needed to get out, but <laughs> not always the greatest message. <laughs> right. And country, to me, has a lot of unrealistic messages. Right. Um, metal is just usually about anger and... Yeah. Not always, but... Um, it's more of a, a feeling than it is a message. Yeah. But... Um, I mean, I guess music in general can have any kind of message. And but rap messages are usually not great. <laughs> I just love that BTS are very much advocates of what they want yeah. to, like, portray. Like, especially with the stuff that they did with the UN and stuff like that. They mm -hmm. really, they started the Love Yourself campaign, which is just basically about just being yourself and loving every part of you. And just 
finding a way to work with people right. and love other people. Yeah. So. Um, that's so that's something that connects army to bts the most and they were uh, like when they first started like they were so active with fans they still are to this day maybe a little bit less so as they've gotten older but like v lives constantly on twitter on just they just now have instagram weverse like literally just now. yeah but they they love to talk to their fans like all the time yeah um so in 2017 they were Commonly seen to, um, there was a turning point in the U.S. to where, um, the top social artists of the Billboard Music Awards, um, for BTS in 2017, October 2017, and their EP, Love Yourself, like we were talking about, Love Yourself, Her, reached number seven on the Billboard 200, which, that's great, so they were the highest of any K-pop group at that time. Yep. Uh, the media was fascinated by how K-pop, a K-pop group in particular, made it into the States, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like they still are. <laughs> no. Um, so, they're still fighting, um, like, xenophobia despite all of their success, which I feel yeah. like any country is like that, honestly. Yeah. I feel like it's just more of the just people that don't know them off the bat will just be like, oh, they just did it because they're asian or something like that just like i've never I, i'm not just saying this i've never comments. thought that yeah but i'm a musician and i've music has been my passion for a long time so i don't know if i just saw past that for talent but i yeah. never felt that yeah and it's one of those where it's people just offhandedly just writing them off because of just a, a thought culture and yeah yeah just a thought of a general preconception of who they are. Yeah, that's true. And they they seem to open the door up, though, for a lot of other groups like Super M, Blackpink, yeah. NCT, Monster X. Yeah. To Those break into the, the chart. Yeah. To they, they started to chart a lot in 2020. Um, so 2016 and 2021, Blackpink and um, the the phenomenon of less is more they debuted in august of 2016 and they became the biggest girl group in the world Mm -hmm. with a very limited number of songs and they still are yeah they only have just one full-length album that is yeah we just talked about this yeah they've where have they been i know they're completely silent i know they're all doing their solo stuff but yeah that's not like them yeah, it's interesting. There must be some stuff going on back behind the scenes, like company wise. Well, yeah. Look who they were under. Right. So, um, it's hard to. It's hard but to know. They, yeah, it's we were big blinks, a couple for a couple of years. We have because they just got huge so fast. Yeah. Like Coachella it went, it went from, was when they it went from nothing to everything, yeah. and I feel like that was just a lot for them. I remember when they debuted at Coachella with "Kill This Love," and people were like, "What is this?" Yeah. Um, if you watch "Light Up the Sky" on Netflix, K-pop beach. right? <laughs> if you watch "Light Up the Sky," their documentary on Netflix, it goes into oh, it more. It's so good, and it'll really wa- make you like them. I've been them. wanting to watch that. We lately. should rewatch it. We should rewatch it. Um, so their fan base though continued to grow despite the long wait for new music which we just talked about yep. um in 2019 they became the first ever idol group to play coachella i <laughs> just said that yep. and they got one billion views on their do to do video which you guys if you have alexa please ask her to play that song oh god she's so funny it's hilarious do 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 yes yes 
Um, and then October 2020, their debut album hit number two on the Billboard 200. That's crazy. Yeah. One of the most successful debuts from an all-female group in more than a decade. I know. Um, they had they solo songs. Yeah. They got huge. They did. They had solo songs. Jenny had solo. Yeah. Um, which was the most watched Korean female solo video of all time. Uh, Rosé has On the Ground, which topped the Global Billboard 200, and it mm-hmm. placed on the top 100. It was the most viewed YouTube video in 24 hours by a solo K-pop artist at the time. Mm-hmm. We'll let Alyssa move on to 2021, which was fucking insane. Yeah. To say the least. <sighs> 2021 was the year. Um, so, kind of the main giants were um, HYBE, NCT, um, and basically what's to come in the future is kind of what we're looking at. Um, the main industry leaders in K-pop as of right now, and especially 2021, are YG, JYP, SM, and Big Hit, which is now hyped. Um, ambitions have grown along with each company. Like, everyone is wanting to do more and this and that. Um, NCT has announced a Hollywood unit, so... We'll see what what that happens. We're not excited about that, <laughs> but yeah. it's fine. We'll see. I'm hoping they choose second generation Korean yeah. American idols. Yeah, yeah. That's my hope. But we'll see. I mean, like Johnny, like that's what I'm saying. Second generation, yeah. like you know. So we'll see. Um, February of 2021, Hive announced a new par- partnership with Universal Music Groups, um, which. Definitely, it includes people such as like Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato. Those are all under Universal. So, but they also took on like Pledis, which is Seventeen. Yep, and a bunch other of different ones, mm-hmm. smaller K-pop uh, like companies. Um, Can you imagine? I'm yeah. in a, a recording group, and they're like, "Hive wants to buy you," and you're like, "Yes." Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, it was Geffen Records, also that was the big one in U.S. that they took over. Yeah. And they created a new K-pop label in America. Um, oh, they're creating a new label in 2022. There's possibly going to be a new boy group under HYBE with the American well, label. We we know there's a Japanese group, which is yeah. the boys from Island. Yeah, but this is, like, through the American label. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> May of 2021, SM Entertainment said it's partnering with MGM to find the new members of the NCT um, Hollywood unit, which everyone keeps saying Mark is going to be the leader. Mark doesn't need to do that. Mark doesn't want to do that. He talked about it in the interview when they said they were going to have a Hollywood unit. He was like... Mark has, like, way too much to do. No, no, Mark no. Mark is the president of Korea. Taemin <laughs> he, is he the father. He doesn't need any more presidential duties. <laughs> Taemin's the father and Mark is the president. Right. Um, and also, many K-pop companies are capitalizing on the U.S. training programs, which we've seen... All like through all of K-pop, like it Matt BT- Stefanina and yeah. Kalahanagami Studios. BTS came, trained dancing. ATs uh, came. Taemin. They off. They actually said at the end of ATs' tour, they stayed a little bit longer because they were doing right. vocal training. They right. were doing producing with different artists here. So Taemin. Yeah. yeah. So they've really like tried to break into that. If you don't know what we're talking about, go type in ATs or BTS trainee. 
Los Angeles. You'll find yeah. footage of them doing dance practices. Just because L.A. was such a big, like, yeah. music industry and dance industry, like, that right. was a really good place for them to, like, right. get a little bit more of that westernized, like, yeah. dancing and exactly. singing under their belt. And now we've taken K-pop, has taken over dancing is... <laughs> Right. We're like, just kidding. <laughs> no, we'll stick with yours. We should send our groups over there to learn. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> so U.S. fandoms um, had an interesting reaction to different K-pop industries, um, asking agencies to like better manage their artists and adding new groups to the roster and inclusions of non-Asians into K-pop. That was something that they never really did before like American people got a little bit more involved. Um, they were just, I feel like our standards are different in, in a way from what we expect from like companies and stuff like that. Well, there's that band Black Swan that has the African-American girl on yeah. it. I always think of I mean, her. we've become more like ethnically diverse here. That's just been like really pushed really hard over the last I don't know how many years, but that has become more of a thing in America. Um, thank God. <laughs> and guys, again, we live in the South. Right. <laughs> so we are the but furthest also, behind. <laughs> yeah, but also just like um treating their artists better and with respect. That's something that like I feel like America's been really good about that, like workplace equality and like stuff like that. Like that has become like something that is expected, not that just has to be. Um, let's see. So the secret to their success in the U.S. Um, is the money and availability to do U.S. promotions, I feel like. Um, they're very used to a packed schedule, so I feel like they're really used to promoting even more hardcore than Westerner, <laughs> Western artists are, I feel like. The so, content is Yeah, insane. so if they have the money to go and do all these promotions, they're going to do it because... I mean, that's what's going to get them noticed. I would love to look at one of their Google calendars to see their schedule. I bet it's right. insane. Oh, and just the training process in general has made it like they're very strict and stuff like that. So I feel like they're pretty much ready for anything, which helps. And their songwriting and creative tools, I feel like just set them apart because it's just it's so I don't know. They just they make use of every little thing. They I really feel do. like. Yeah. There's like no nothing that doesn't have a meaning in K-pop, which, which is my. That's why we always say, anytime there's ever a snippet yeah. or it means, um, it means anything something. released, it means something. Yeah. Even if you're watching a music video that just dropped, they will focus on something for like more than a second. You're like, yeah. that's an Easter egg, and you're we're always right. Something. Something's gonna happen. Yeah. We're like, there's a, they never no K-pop group yeah. ever post something without yeah. intentions right there's always something common yeah and i feel like that now that they have really been successful in the u.s they kind of have this blueprint that they follow to being successful in america it's true um this combined with america's much more diverse atmosphere in the music industry means that k-pop is gonna have a strong foothold in the u.s music industry from now on i feel like like i don't see it ever there's going no turning away back, yeah yeah just because there's, I mean, even just the shows we went to, people had camped out since the night before to go see a small band in a theater. Like and Super M really blew shit up in yeah. the United States, too. They like, performed on freaking top of Capitol Records in LA. Right. That is insane. Yeah. So. And like we said, rain selling out Madison Square Garden. Like, really? Yeah. Like. So that was pretty much the majority of the habit. Do we have any, like, other thoughts we want to talk about conclusion-wise? I just... 
What blew your mind the most? I just want to say, <laughs> Alyssa knows, I have been to so many concerts. Yeah. Since I was born, and that's not an understatement. I started going to concerts literally when I was a baby. Yeah. I have been to a concert. Her parents were groupies. She's a groupie. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, my brother was in bands. My dad was yeah. in, I mean, it's just, I grew up around that. Around the music industry. And I will say, dead ass. <laughs> I never had concert experiences like I have. Excuse yeah. me. Um, yawning. <laughs> like I have K-pop ones. Yeah. The whole, it's a production. They're just on a different level. Now, what like. we saw this week was less production-ish, but... It's a production, whole other level. The quality is fucking insane. Yeah. It it's just the but talent. The is only unreal. downsides to me what? is the bloodbath of trying to yeah. get things. And yeah. I, when I say things, I mean merch, mm-hmm. tickets, anything like that. Because it's so limited. It's I so feel limited. Like. And there is there it's is not like, like we said like now a good foothold of people that love yeah. K pop. So it's everyone's trying to get this small amount of things. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of us, but there's also not a lot of us. Like, yeah. when you have to be put in a queue in a lobby or in a lottery to get tickets, that should just tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Um, I think what blew my mind the most probably is just talking about, well, like we said, like, rain in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Or, like, how Blackpink blew up on the charts. Yeah. And really just, like, how shut down we were in America about introducing a different genre. Because that's a whole genre. People are like, how do you listen to that? And how do you... Yeah. You can't understand them. I'm like, you can. You can. If you listen. If you listen. And you feel it. And you feel it. Exactly. But, I don't know. I just think that, like I said, I've been into music a long time. And I've never had a connection like anything like I have with K-pop. Yeah. It makes me feel connected to so many people yeah. differently. Yeah. Like, me and you. Yeah. Our connection got insanely stronger when we bonded over K-pop. Yeah. And then Destiny, like, she's our best friend. And and just, like, all the new people we've met along the way. Okay, we just... I'm just going to say this really quick. <laughs> we met shout our, out. <laughs> shout out to our besties, Bex and Sarah. Yeah. Um, we just met them at a concert we went to, and they... <laughs> literally drove to my house in the middle of the night to go to another concert with us stayed with us it's only our second time ever seeing them in our lives right. and we have met lifelong friends because yeah that's just something something else that's cool about k-pop i just connect it connects you. you in a way with people that you don't have a connection with because i feel like it's so special that like yeah. if you really connect with it, then it's just like this other person sees how special it is, and you're like, okay, this so person's got to be great, <laughs> right? And especially when you have other people to talk with about it, because yeah, like you know, so many people, like my brother is like, I don't get it, like he's not, he supports me, but he's like, yeah. they don't get it, yeah. So it's always hard to show an outsider, yeah. What you like. But I feel like anytime, I don't know if this is just me, anytime I tell people I like K-pop or they ask me about it, it's like I have to give a whole explanation. And yeah. we shouldn't have to do that. Right. As to why I like it. Because it wouldn't be the same if be like, oh yeah, I listen to Hispanic music. Or I listen to... Like Bad Bunny. Yeah. Just anything. My friend Chantel, shout out to you Chantel. Friend Chantel out in New Mexico just went to Bad Bunny and she was like, I don't speak Spanish at all. 
Yeah. But she is Hispanic. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't speak Spanish, but I want to see Bad Bunny. <laughs> My girl is fine. I've been to so many K-pop concerts, and I don't speak any Korean. I don't know. It's just, it's a whole different thing with, I feel like, K-pop in general. Just people have so many preconceptions about what it is yeah. without even figuring out what it is for themselves. I mean... But it's one of those things where it's like, I love it, and... I don't really care if you... Yeah. I don't care if yeah. you know or not, and you can think whatever you want about it, but it makes me happy, so... I don't know what I would do if I didn't have K-pop in my life. Right. Like, life what did we be do so before? Different. What the heck did we do before? I don't know. What did we waste money on? I don't know. Disney. Disney. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Disney purses. I don't know. Bills. Bills. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Me and Alyssa are always talking about how much money have we spent on K-pop since we met each other Mm -hmm. in Destiny 2. It's it's one of those. It's like, I have extra money. I want to spend it on something that I like. Exactly. (laughs) So... But anyway, so that's pretty much the wrap up. And like I said, we'll definitely have more parts. This was just kind of like our first introduction to K-pop culture in America. Maybe we'll break it down, maybe like different things. Um, we could even talk about K-dramas one time. That would yes. be really interesting because we have gotten into a lot of K-dramas, guys. Um, but yeah, so we are going to move on to our dessert. Which I have about NCT's Doyoung. No. <laughs> Doyoung. It is about his Mary Antoinette, his musical that he no, did. we've done so much research on this, you guys. I did some research on it. Yes. So, we kind of fell down a hole the other day. <laughs> and, bit. yeah. We're trying to figure out how to watch it. So, if anybody has any thoughts on how to watch it... Because I can't find it anywhere. I'm the it, queen of it finding was, things. You could, and buy I it on, you could buy it on VLive, but it's not available anymore. It's limited. Yes. If anybody so. has VLive and wants to let us use their VLive. Guys, we will be forever grateful. I need to see Do Young in the kitchen. I will send you a Starbucks I gift card. I need to. I need to. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to talk about his musical debut um, and just talk about that a little bit. So his first performance was on July 17th of 2021. So these were live shows, um, but they recorded them and put them on VLive. Can you imagine? Yes. Um, it was in Seoul was the first one. Uh, Jayan and Jungwoo attended his first show. <laughs> okay. Um, the play follows the tumultuous life of Marie Antoinette, which was the Queen of France. Um, Do Young plays Swedish Count Hans Axel. De Yeah, he was Hans. I love that. Um, he falls in love with Marie, of course. It is a tragic romantic storyline, which, I mean, our tragic baby boy. <laughs> right. Uh, Not our dramatic baby. Yeah, so some of the testimonies of the people who saw the show, you want to start with those? Yeah. It's just right there. So people say that Do Young is one of those singers that wears his emotions on his sleeve even while he sings. Um, as one can visually see what he's feeling, which he's always like that. Yeah. It's just eyes, I think. His eyes like always. Like, he can't yep. hide anything with those. Right. I don't want him to. No. <laughs> they said his visual presence, too, is just as, like, strong as his vocals are, which yeah. is true. If you look at Do Young, he's so intimidating. Right. Um, 
So the viewers said they felt like that his scenes were too short because they waited for his return to the stage. And they also said that every little detail he put in his acting really elevated his performance from his smiles when he first meets Marie to looking at the audience while harmonizing with her. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Distant Thunder, which was the crowd's, like, fave? Oh, yes. Yeah. So Distant Thunder is one of the songs. Um he was able to be very emotional and still stay on like perfect pitch they said yeah which of course too young (laughs) especially when marie was executed they said that was like it was one of those parts that like the whole crowd just felt his pain yeah when she was executed um um the kiss scene that he did was full of longing and emotion, which is why I need do to what see now? it. I need to see it. I do not approve of this message. Me neither. Do you and get your shit together? He's never kissed anybody. Except for us. <laughs> In our dream. This is the Delulu side. This is called out. 72 hours without sleep. Yeah, pretty much. Literally okay. no sleep, guys. <laughs> we're not well, but and we were still recording for you, so you're welcome. <laughs> Yes. Um, so Dayoung got Welcome a standing to our tech talk. <laughs> right. I mean Dayoung talk. So his first show, he got a standing ovation at the end of the show. Sweet baby. I know. I'm sure he was ecstatic. Um, and with zero experience, they said he definitely gave his all, and the audience could really feel it. Um, I feel like he said in a lot of his different interviews that his like cast was like really helpful to him. Yeah. And like, especially since he's never been in a situation like that, like they really like helped him figure out like what he needed to do. So he was very grateful. Um, and it got a lot of love on Twitter and social media after the first shows and the subsequent ones. Like it blew up. I remember when it came out. I don't know why we didn't watch it then. I don't know why we're idiots. <sighs> I know. But literally, they say it blew Richie's up. Richie's busy watching Love Alarm, hurting <laughs> us, Song King. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're just, we're very proud of our baby. We we cannot go one day without watching Do Young. I know. Today we watched Do Young singing Queen. Uh, ugh, then we watched Do Young karaoke. Yeah. And then we watched, you guys, if you haven't seen it, there's an interview with Do Young showing what he has in his bag. Ugh. And he's so beautiful. He is. He's got his hair all slicked back. Yes. If he wasn't, I mean, not that he wasn't already. Like, yeah. He looks great. Well, I guess that's it. That's it. Cooking up some more recipes. Yep. So stay tuned for next week and prepare to be mind blown because. Because we're talking about what? We're talking about what? To moon. <laughs> all right, bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.